This is episode 189 of G.I. Joburg. What? My name's Steve. What? I'm joined by Paul, the deadliest pencils in town. And Ooh. in episode 189, we have wrangled a real-life Australian. Real Welcome life to the Australian. party, Sergeant Slaughter. Or should I call you Zazel? What would you prefer uh-huh. to be called? <laughs> Good morning, maggots. Uh, no, Zazel is fine with me. Outstanding. Your credentials, if you please. Well, I am probably the biggest Sergeant Slaughter fan in existence. Um, I probably have, uh, if I'm bragging just a little, uh, the biggest collection of Sergeant Slaughter G.I. Joe action figures that I've uh, ever come across. Uh, And and local Australian uh, resident. (laughs) The most important credential of all. Now, tell me, Zays, uh, this Sergeant Slaughter collection, uh, do you have any specific collecting goals? We're kind of trickling in a little little topic from last week, in fact. I believe there's a number, a speci- very specific number that you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah, that's right. Look, I'm trying to get up to 777 Sergeant Slaughter figures. Uh, that is quite a uh, collecting conundrum in that uh, I need to figure out uh, how and and what possible way I'm going to be able to achieve this goal. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it just rolls off the tongue so nicely. 777 Sergeant Slaughters. It's like yeah, well, it wasn't, some it, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my original intent. Um, it, it was just I managed to pick up a few here and there and then an army started to build. And I actually saw someone had a really impressive uh, Serpentor army. Uh, I saw oh. that photo floating around for a while, uh, and he, and he had he had lines and rows uh, of of this uh, serpentor. I was like, hey, that would be really cool if that was Sergeant Slaughter. Um, and then I just yeah started hoarding my slaughters. I'm a slaughter hoarder. You're a slaughter hoarder. <laughs> that that rolls with the tongue well. Very poetic. Um, do you know which one is your original Sergeant Slaughter? Uh, well, actually, I I as a child never actually got to own. A sergeant slaughter figure wow. um okay. it sort of it, it eluded me for quite a while and i was always on the hunt for it uh, always uh looking around for the triple t specifically uh but i was never able to see one i was, I was always able to see the serpentor's air chariot and i always thought that the triple t wouldn't be too far around the corner and as a kid you don't often think that the opportunity will not ever present itself Yes. Yeah, uh, so the only the only Sergeant Slaughter that I ever saw in stores was the Slaughter's Marauder Sergeant Slaughter, and I picked him up off the peg, had a look at it, and went, "No, I'll, I'll wait." Oh, okay. Optimum uh, Sergeant Slaughter at the time, which would have been as a uh, wrestling fan and as a GI Joe fan, the Triple T Sarge would have been um, an ideal uh, figure to have in my collection. Okay. But he never came around. Speaking of versions, in order to achieve the lofty goal of 777 slaughters, uh, do you have a specific version in mind or will any slaughter do? And further uh, well, to that, will any scale of slaughter do? Because all of a sudden you've got wrestling figures coming your way. You've got Bobby Valor's action force coming your way. Correct, yeah. Well, I've actually pre-ordered 20 of the action force sergeant slaughters um just to appease some of those numbers and i feel like it's the original goal was just to have versions uh one through four of the gi joe to be part of that core 
777. But then, you know, I started picking up some convention figures and some of those fun school figures like Super Cop. And I was like, well, that, that, that's technically looking like size. That'll add to the numbers. And then, yeah, I picked up a couple of wrestling figures and I was like, well, you know, it's a size and slaughter figure. It's 777 size and slaughter figures. It doesn't say 777 size and slaughter GI Joes. Right. Love okay. It. So, so that's the distinction. Ah, smart. Okay. My man is not a slave to scale. You shun those no. things. Outstanding. <laughs> and something that a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Cody Scalf, would say with wrestling figures, you literally just need your guys and a ring, and it's game time. Don't need to be futzing with accessories or vehicles. Uh, it's a very inviting toy line. And uh, I, I almost wish that I wasn't such a slave to scale because, hell, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it can be. Uh, I mean, and you you guys would know, you know all about it. Just basically bashing your toys together, it can be the best fun there is. Mm. <laughs> Though <laughs> you don't have a six-inch Serpentor just yet. And while you were describing this guy with his army of Serpentors, all I was thinking of was like recreating the fight from Arise Serpentor Arise when it's Slaughter versus Serpentor, but like an entire army of Serpentors <laughs> versus an entire army of Slaughters. That'd be I'll pretty tell you what, cool. Arise Serpentor Arise is a pretty inconsistent um, series as far as how strong Sergeant Slaughter is. Uh, he starts off the beginning of the series being able to take out an army of bats, and then by the end of it, he's bested by Destro and... Uh, uh, a couple of his goons, and you and you, you feel like he's probably been captured in that in that entire miniseries. Has probably been captured at least three times. And it doesn't get any better in GI Joe the movie, but you know it flip flops the other way. He uh, at first is bested by Nemesis Enforcer. By the end, he's got Nemes Nemesis Enforcer on the ropes, man. Uh huh. Well, yeah, he pulls out some of those sweet, sweet wrestling moves. <laughs> yes, on this. This one's for me. What does he say? Something like that. Yeah, well, well you're getting it. <laughs> this is for Duke. <laughs> yeah, man. But we need the standard G.I. Joburg identikit on you, Zazel. I right. shudder to think there is a figure or character that can top the Sarge. But maybe we can learn a little bit about you by getting your runner-up G.I. Joe figure uh, your favorite Cobra figure, and your favorite vehicles from both camps? All righty. Uh, that's a good question. And I don't often get asked that question. Usually it's, you know, why Sarge and why so many? Uh, so I would say the runner-up as far as G.I. Joe are concerned would be Wild Bill. Uh, I just, I don't know, he's, uh, he's a cool-looking cowboy and Westerns are my second love outside of uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, then I guess as far as Cobra are concerned, I mean Crocmaster. Oh yeah, uh, he just looks so cool. He just looks so cool, and he adds to the whole uh, wrestling theme by being an alligator wrestler. So you know he makes a good foil for uh, Sergeant Slaughter himself. You play wrestling matches with your GI Joe action figures too? Do well, yes, I do. <laughs> Actually, I'm. <laughs> One of the things that I'm I'm currently working on at the moment is a monthly series uh, based on, you know, the style of, you know, w WWE, um, but with action figures uh, in G.I. Joe scale. So I've been playing around uh, trying to get uh, the moves 
just right. I'm trying to get the angles just right, the set pieces just right. So, you know, it looks authentic enough uh, to be, you know, look like a good show, but, uh, you know, obviously not too pedantic that, it, you know, I'm too worried about, you know, hands in the shots. Uh, so so does that mean you're presenting it in a play motion style? Dun, dun, play dun. motion style, that's it. Oh, Hashtag so play motion. Yeah, yeah cool. let's let's make a trend. Uh, but you you owe us some toys, man. We need to hear your uh, your uh, your favorite vehicles. Uh, well, I mean, let's uh, put the triple T aside for a moment. Uh, but still, uh, a sergeant sort of vehicle. It's got to be the warthog. That is just oh, yeah. an awesome vehicle. It's a great troop transport. It's hefty. Uh, it, I mean, it really floats. Uh, and, you know, uh, as per the catalog that you guys went through recently, I mean, it's it's so versatile. You're in good company here, Zazel, because I think Paul and I both have such high regard for that vehicle. I think it is prob probably, I'll safely say, our favorite tracked vehicle in the entire line. Oh, yeah, definitely. Without question. And it also ho holds the high... Um the high esteem, should I say, of being my first encounter with um, Sergeant Slaughter as well. Or as we knew him when we got ours, Sergeant Slammer. <laughs> Sergeant Slammer, that's right. Yeah. The great thing about the Warthog is that it has, it's just got that great dedicated seating area for its specific roles. But also, you know, it's able to house as many troops as you can fit in the back, comfortably or uncomfortably. And it just, it's got so many possibilities as far as playtime is concerned but on the topic of uh sergeant slammer and the warthog i've actually got a bunch of file cards with other various international names and one of the ones that keeps popping up uh is for the warthog and the name sergeant driller oh yeah so i you know that's uh that's a cool variation uh for the warthog that i've found is that like from his uh lesser known porn career or <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it's a whole different Cobra clutch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more to round out the series. Your favorite Cobra vehicle, if you please, sir. Um, that's a tricky one. I mean, I've always I've always kind of liked the trouble bubbles. Ooh. Um but then I don't know, after seeing the buzzbore in action today, that thing is brutal. And I got to play around with the stun recently, so that was cool too. Uh, and that's a pretty iconic Cobra vehicle as far as the cartoons are concerned. And I'd never held one in my hands before, but when I saw that, I was like, this is an awesome vehicle. Uh, I, okay. I felt the exact same way. I, I didn't think much of it until I held it in my hands. And I was like, oh my word, this thing's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, All I got right, a kick out of it. We've danced around it long enough. I think it's time we started talking, getting down to the brass tacks of why the three of us have been united here in episode 189. And forgive me, uh, the timing of this episode is rather unique. My wife is frying something in the background. So <laughs> that is that strange audio phenomenon you're likely to hear. It's um, cool. We've got the, the sounds of daily suburbia here with my dog going nuts every now and then. So <laughs> Or crickets that people think are their, uh, their wheels coming loose as they're driving and playing us in their car. I mean, 
it's it's if it's happened in audio, it's happened here in GI Joe Bird. We don't believe in clean clean sounds. We're we're from Africa, man. Damn. Yeah, well, I live in a high-rise apartment, so I've had to go literally into a cupboard, walk-in cupboard, close the doors, because if it's not house noise, it's going to be people walking outside the balconies or out onto uh, uh, the street level below. So if it's echoey, it's because I'm in a walk-in wardrobe. Oh, you're okay. good, brother. Anyways, now that we've debated the sound and acoustics and clean audio, <laughs> hey, this weekend was a pretty big one for G.I. Joburg. Uh, we are back in the play motion game. If you're a podcast fan and are completely oblivious to what we do on YouTube, uh, we do like to film us playing with our toys. And we haven't done so in a good chunk of time. Uh, by my recollection, excluding, of course, the excellent collaborative feature, which was Element X, it's been a year since we've had a play motion saga to unfold for everyone. And it's, yes. it's not difficult to explain why. I mean, it's been a pretty rough year all round. Any plans that we had were pretty quickly squashed by the lockdown. I became uh, exiled here in Australia, but I've now discovered the joy of this setting in a big way. And it is incredible to know that even in this kind of semi-remote part of the country, there is a serious hardcore G.I. Joe fan in the form of Zezel. Logan Phoenix, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Sergeant Slaughter. How did we meet, dude? We got to chatting well, online, didn't we? You jumped on to a live auction that I was on at the time, and I recognized the name, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, he's uh, hanging about in Australia, which didn't surprise me because you're obviously uh, well-traveled. And then you made a comment uh, on on one of the reply auctions where I said, yeah. you know, if you were post to Australia or to Townsville specifically, uh, you know, then I would I would take a, an item. And you're like, hey, I'm in Townsville. You know, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing here? And then we immediately met up for drinks and, uh, and the rest is history, dude. We started concocting an idea for a Playmotion adventure that hopefully was going to be... Uh, quite close to your heart as it dealt with a, a cabal of characters that through the connection to Sergeant Slaughter, you were all too keen on. Well, I think we both agreed on the fact that we would like to see the Renegades done respectfully and uh, give them a moment to shine. Which, Paul, uh, I'm going to flip the mic lacking. over to you, man. I know you've been itching to tell a Mercer story forever. And that yeah. itch has been very contagious. Because all of a sudden, I started thinking, well, hell, this character has got a pretty interesting backstory, and yet no one seems to have touched it. Even mm. our G.I. Joe scribe of choice, the grandfather of A-Raw, Mr. Larry Homer, no one seems to have shed much light on a cobra defector that goes and hunts cobra. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like tragic, because every time he makes an appearance, uh, and, I, and I'm, when I refer to the comics here, I'm not even referring to A-Ra uh, uh, or Ara. Um, I'm referring more to like Devil's Due. I mean, he, he makes a, a, a brief but uh, awesome appearance in the G.I. Joe vs. Trans uh, Transformers series. Um, and then, you know, he's like really cool and he's badass, blah, blah, blah. And he's one of the reasons the Joes get like intel. And then later on gets torched. 
And I only um, remembered this now because I've recently reread that issue. So somehow that that concept like stuck in the back of my mind. And I know that uh, a lot of that kind of set the stage for some of the story that we were creating with this um, with this series. And uh, yeah, but I really, really love Mursa. I think he's such a cool character. Uh, I think he's um, he's a very unexplored character. He's very mysterious. That said, there's a lot of G.I. Joes that have a lot of mystery behind them. Uh, but I just felt Mercer was just... He's he's not just like the typical kind of bad guy becomes good guy kind of character. There is a lot of depth there and there's there's a lot of stuff to explore. And and uh, the fact that they did two figures, two Mercer figures, that that's something. I mean, we touched on that on an, on an earlier podcast. And... Um, I think it was then that I I started really getting the ball rolling in my mind for like let's do a let's do something with Mercer. I want to put Mercer in something. I've got to do a Mercer show. I've got to, yeah. And then well, that, credit yeah. to our buddy JD Onesie who in that very same podcast clued us into the fact that these two Mercer versions have two different file names, mm. and in all likelihood are two different people. I mean, you could play it either way that it's kind of a uh, giving him a I don't know, witness protection name, a kind of a different um, alias, or you could play them as two different people. Certainly the head sculpts, I mean, look, let's be fair. If 1987's Mercer becomes Mercer V2 in the short span of four years, damn son, <laughs> becoming a Cobra Defector has aged him something. Because yeah. uh, he's, looking, he's looking weathered. Uh, and I always yeah. thought that that was that was quite interesting because you know Mercer V one he's he looks like the rookie he looks like the new guy yeah I mean in spite of his his magnificent widow's peak I mean that's a that's a classic receding hairline if I ever saw one um, as for the rest of him he's this smooth faced punk who then becomes this grizzled pitted um, warrior by by mm. nineteen ninety one. The initial concept you, you cooked up, Paul, was that Mercer needs a buddy. He needs to yeah. lose his friend to Cobra, and that sets up his thirst for revenge. It's, yeah. he, he created a relationship, a, a brotherhood, that he has more loyalty than the organization. Yeah, And, and to make was... matters worse, it's the organization that tears them apart. So yeah. he is filled with revenge and wants to burn the whole thing down. That's correct. And that, that is actually, <clears throat> believe it or not, that, that's been kicking around in my brain for a long time. I mean, when I first got um, Ali Vipers from Modern Era, because I uh, when I got the, the my first ever Modern Era Ali Viper, which was from that Cobra pack, that five pack or six pack or whatever, um, the uh, Defense, of uh, Defense of Cobra Island pack, I was like, wow, because the Ali Viper for me for a long time was like, this highly lauded, uh, this highly lauded toy and and character because I was like, wow, I really love it. It's so rare. I didn't know anybody in South Africa that had one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when I finally got my own one, I had only one, and I was like, well, you know, what would his story be? And not too long after that, Pursuit of Cobra just dumped a whole bunch of Ali Vipers on us, and so that, you know, it wasn't long before I had a squad, and um, I started coming up with this concept for, or what I like to call the the Cobra Blackhearts. And the Blackhearts are like the elite of that um, faction. So like the Alley Vipers, it's their elite. They're like the big bad Cobras uh, in, in the Alley Vipers. And, 
And so I, I kept on playing. Even Big Bad Cobra needs air conditioning. Exactly. And I started <laughs> thinking like, well, these guys, um, you know, there's obviously, you know, like in the military, it would be like a competitive thing. And then, you know, you would possibly be handpicked for something like this. Uh, but Cobra would probably turn it into some kind of uh, game, you know, like into some kind of like trial. It's like a it's like a major thing, like a major achievement, as it would be in any military. But they would make it like this real uh, rough and tough uh, kind of sport that you have to just go through and kill each other. And, you know, only the, the, the cruelest will survive. And, and so I had this character who I didn't have a name for for the longest time. Um, playing through this uh, concept of like, okay, he's he's the one that's gone through the ranks, and then going through that, he becomes quite disillusioned, and then over time, that has become Mercer in my oh Mercer to me, um, and so yeah, that that was why I initially pitched him, pitched that idea, pitched that concept for the Renegades. Well, for those that don't know, uh, Paul, you did a tremendous job on the Mercer voice for the Renegades episode oh, one. Thank you. <laughs> pulled it out really nicely especially since it was so late in the game and uh you know time was against us i thought it was a really good uh character driven performance I, I loved it oh thank you Cezor. shot man and i'll second that uh to anyone who's scratching their heads at this point here's a little peek behind the curtain to see how the sausage is made uh i typically track all the voices almost just as a guide track for me to edit by uh, a lot of those voices obviously make it to the final cut. But if anyone puts up their hands and says, I feel pretty strongly about this character, can I voice him? I will definitely entertain it because there's nothing more tedious than hearing myself all the time. I mean, I know I've got a big ego, but there are limits, right? <laughs> but Paul decided to leave it to not even 24 hours before the release of <laughs> this video. Um, so it was literally the last thing to get dropped in before I set the premiere and began the countdown to the initial screening of The Renegades, part one in a three-part series. And it being a prelude, it just sets the ball in motion. Parts two and three, heaven help us, Will be far more substantial episodes <laughs> oh dear what have i done um but well, yeah there's a lot one... going on in the prelude my man true there's a lot true. happening and in a short amount of time one does tend to be quite judicious with um with with cuts and with scripting uh and, and making sure you tell the maximum amount of story in the minimum amount of time uh it's a seven minute video it's only five scenes long they're essentially five scene changes or four scene changes. Um, but it, it's, as I say, sets the ball in motion. And hopefully you get an idea of the history uh, between these characters. Uh, one of the comments on YouTube said it best when it, he said that it was very much like the first Highlander film. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I was always thinking about Luke and Obi-Wan, but uh, <laughs> Highlander's a way cooler fit. I'm sure we'll agree. If I can just bring in a little bit more to the, um, uh, the Mercer mystery, the 2006 convention exclusive Renegades 3-pack actually states on Mercer's file card that uh, he changed his name and appearance to join the core G.I. Joe group and then decided uh to then revert back to his previous uh name 
and and looks uh, to rejoin the the renegades because GI Joe wasn't for him apparently. And that makes sense actually, because I I'm gonna fight you on that, Paul. I don't like that at all. No, the the face changing, name changing thing. Uh, that that to me I think is is pu- uh, pushing it, and I think there's a bit of retconning going on there a little. Um, well, when I say retconning, it's just yeah, that's that's a bit of saving face. But the him not feeling GI Joe is for him. That makes a lot of sense to me. That that I that I don't think GI Joe would ever make him a card carrying member. This guy. He's seen too much. He is on, you know, the, the fence, as it were. G.I. Joe is going to keep him at arm's length. You certainly don't want an ex-Cobra Viper, no matter how they've said, said that they've changed, no matter how many other Cobra pelts they add to their, you know, their belt or whatever you do with well, pelts. How much, how much stock <laughs> gonna... you put into the fact that he, in the file card for version 2, was a member of Slaughter's Marauders? I mean, obviously, yes. that's just... It's a misprint. Obviously, they meant the Renegades, but it's on there. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, my retcon, or not even retcon, is that there are two distinct characters, and neither of them were ever enlisted as G.I. Joe members, but they definitely were one of Sarge's dogs um, to, be, to be unleashed uh, on targets of opportunity that are... that The specific skill set of these four operatives would uh, would require so storm yeah. shadow gets no storm shadow is not a gi joe either no he's sort of like a consultant <laughs> listen we don't want to be gatekeeping nerds you guys can play these things any way you want however you want yeah but yeah the That's way right. the way i envision it is gi joe there has to be some some bar to membership i mean storm shadow is an affiliate he's a he's an ally once he's kind of left the Cobra ranks, but he's a very proficient killer with a lot of blood on his hands, mm. and you do not want him to be roaming around the pit unchecked, because if, if he was a plant all along, he's within striking distance of Hawk, he's within striking distance of any number of like, high-value G.I. Joe targets all the time. Um, so I, I think he's he's Snake Eyes' pal, and Snake Eyes is able to keep the leash. Yeah, actually, my my take on if I if I I just want to put in my two cents there, but my take on Storm Shadow is that GI Joe can't trust him purely for the because he's defa- uh, he's uh, a ninja, and a huge part of what Storm Shadow does is deception, and it can be argued that while Storm Shadow served Cobra, he was really just faking it, if that makes sense. Um, because he was trying to find out who his uncle's killer was. Um, and and so that, I mean, like anybody, like if you've got somebody that something about their, their character is about deception, then it's very difficult to trust that person. You know, even, I think even um, Stalker has issues trusting old Tommy Orashikage, uh, purely for the yeah. fact that Tommy is so there's, good at what he does. Yeah. yeah, there's been a passage of time, and I mean... <laughs> I don't want to get too far into this because we have given Storm Shadow his time in the sun in the previous episode. Yeah. But I think he's got a lot of blood on his hands. I think yeah. in, all, in service of his cover in Cobra, he has had to kill in the name of Cobra. And yeah. once you've done that, you kind of have crossed the line. And there's no real going back. Well, so there he is remains the tortured warrior. Detector. 
there is a third Cobra defector. Ooh, who's that? That doesn't often uh, get mentioned as such, but in the animated series uh, Operation Dragonfire, Scoop is actually a Cobra oh, yes. operative. <laughs> okay. And he does become a card-carrying member of G.I. Joe. So, oi, we're dancing all over the precedent here. Um, clearly, there's no consistency, just like Slaughter's uh, ability to either take on uh, opponents or be defeated by them. Abu! Abu! But, <laughs> but any wrestling fan will know that it's, you know, you have to have to observe whatever the script dictates, right? Right, Zazel? Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, you gotta you got to have some of the theatrics about it, too. You can't always be on top. you got to work your way up a little. Mm -hmm. Get bumped down a few pegs and work your way back. And also, just something quickly, just about like coming back to old Felix, old uh, Mercer. I think he is already disillusioned with the military system. I think he... I like to believe that he served, because that's how, in my mind, he, he served. He didn't like the politics, he didn't like um, certain things about being in the military, um, irrespective of what, whatever military he was in. And joined Cobra, found that it was the same kind of bureaucracy, same kind of bullshit, honestly. And um, and with G.I. Joe, I'm sure he sees the same thing there. So I think, you know, being part of the Renegade suits him just fine. I think that's, that's the gray area in which he can function in. And, and it uh, will be our goal to explain why for each of the renegades working closely with the sarge as opposed to trying their luck and enlisting in the gi joe unit suits their mm. style of operation a lot better so who else can keep these guys in check if it's not old sarge yeah true true very true Precisely. and um and i've been watching this fantastic uh sort of documentary series on netflix it's about spies um and about the technology used for spies and it's about assassinations and all that. And, and in that documentary, they do mention at some point that the CIA, uh, they have an official policy of not, you know, assassinating people. Right. Um, and you know, that, that, I mean, I'm listening to this and, it, and it's like, it's interesting because I mean, that was their policy sometime in the eighties that that came into play if memory serves. And, uh, yeah. So I think about the renegades and I'm like, you know, technically, G.I. Joe is clandestine. You know, they, they are a special op uh, special branch. You know, they can operate under their own thing. But at no point are they ever given the order, that, to my knowledge, uh, that they have to, like, kill a specific target. You know, they, you know, and I think that makes the Renegades kind of uh, sort of a wet works kind of operation as well. You know, they do a lot of the sort of wet work, <laughs> the horrible Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. The, the stuff that can be disavowed and they can be disavowed, their existence can be disavowed. Oh, so, yeah, no doubt about that. Mm. Just taking a little peek at the letters page, <laughs> so to speak, uh, we're, we're kind of back to front on this episode. We're going to do a little postbox the pit to further dis the discussion on Renegades. Uh, we had a lovely string of comments um, that is, in fact, even doing it a disservice. The response has been awesome. Thank yeah. you to everyone who took the time to comment, be it on the YouTube comments thread, on the Facebook thread, people who commented on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's We never really uh, anticipate how warm the response is going to be. Like, I do this stuff because I need to. 
<laughs> I need to get it out of me. But the fact that people have responded so warmly is, it's a testimony to how great this community is. Anyways, let me stop waxing sentimental because you know you're beautiful and I love you. But the one response that I'm going to read out kind of has a twist in the tail. And I, I think it sums things up quite nicely for anyone who is strangely drawn to this emerging art form of playing with your action figures in front of a camera. This comes to us from a guy called Ian Bittner. G.I. Joburg, I suppose it comes from playing with toys as a kid, or maybe not, but I really enjoyed the choreography in your video, even though it wasn't stop motion, which is all most people use action figures for anymore in visual entertainment, and hands were visible at certain points, which I don't mind. I found that though I have been somewhat conditioned to enjoy the flawless and seamless production of high-end professional entertainment, this really worked. You have a solid understanding of conveying emotion and suspense with lighting and camera angles, but when I saw your hands guiding the vehicles and could hear footsteps being conveyed by little sound effects made by vocal noises, it brought back a sense of nostalgia. I don't know how to put it, but it was adult and childlike at the same time. And I mean that in the best way possible. I hope to see more beautiful work. Hey, if hey, that doesn't that warm a, a guy's heart. Oh, yeah. And that was that was exactly my sentiment too when I first started watching the Joburg play motion videos. It's like these are live action GI Joe cartoons, but they're also, you know, as if you were playing them yourself. And to be able to have the experience of seeing all of this happen behind the scenes, I got to tell you, as a fan, I I was in awe. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. In awe of this grown man craning over his action figures perched on a uh, rocky ledge, which you picked, you bastard. <laughs> we did a yeah, location well, look, scout on one of our hikes, and Zazel led the charge. You, you found this section, and I was like, actually, that will do nicely. And for those that uh, are wondering, yes, Steve does do the noises when he's not recording too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can confirm that. <laughs> uh, some people uh, were intrigued that we didn't capture a sunset for the kind of end montage of the episode. And I must say that was my intention, Zazel. Like you, you are my witness. Like that's, I was expecting a sunset to kind of drop between those two uh, peaks, yep. but played quite nicely in the gloom. I think given the the emotional content of the end of this piece, uh, it was nice that we were in the kind of the, the shade of this rock. So once again, fantastic location scouting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Location, location, location. That's it. As yeah, far as um, locations are concerned, I am really looking forward to the next location. Uh, which which uh, I won't say too much about it, but let's just say I'm I'm really keen to get there. <laughs> oh come on, give us a little taste. What are, what are you really keen about, Zazel? Well, let's just say it is the ideal spot for where you would want to put Sergeant Slaughter's slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah. It's like a location that is a character in its own right. Uh, I can't wait to get started on some of that stuff. And I hope everyone listening to this is in for the ride because 
we're going to have some fun, guys. Uh, G.I. Joburg is back in the Playmotion world, and we couldn't be happier. And, like, dude, I'm excited. It's great. Again, it's great to be... Uh, it's great to make music that has a target, <laughs> a purpose. Right now, I've been, like, making lots of tunes just for, like, giggles. But it was cool to make, like, tunes for this episode as well. Um, and then something I, I just wanted to mention, just coming back to the comments. Uh, no, no, I come love... on, buddy. Music. Ah, what, okay. uh, what tracks did you craft for this? Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is our exclusive beatsmith. He might have some competition in uh, later episodes, but on this one, <laughs> he created a soundscape which really matched the the feel of it. Like, there's something very sinister, but also, like, new retro wave synthy about it, which is lovely, because this is set in, hopefully, 1987. And, oh, man, <laughs> it's cool. It is cool. Congratulations, Paul. Oh, thank you, dude. Um, I like to see it as assistance rather than competition, because it is cool, like... I mean, you know, when, you, when you're trying to make anything creative and you have to make a lot of it, uh, you can sometimes feel burned out and then you get kind of precious about stuff. So you kind of, you like I did this Renegades track, uh, which I thoroughly, like I enjoyed and I enjoyed making it, but I labored over it. It wasn't something that like happened for me in like two hours. It was something where I got like a riff and then I had to figure out, figure out how this was going to grow. And that was, it was quite challenging. And then, I decided I was going to give myself this um, after seeing some of the footage that you did. I've got a an old track called like Hot Sunset. It's not that old, it's about three or four months old, and it's a really, really like chilled out kind of synthy kind of vibe. Um, but it's a little too optimistic uh, for what we wanted to do here. So I'm I'm hoping we can use it for the credit scene because I think it'll work so well there. Um, but yeah, like when when I was coming up with the Renegades thing, uh, I wanted. Ooh, like I wanted it to be dark and aggressive, but then also like sad in a way. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, how much of that I got across, but all oh, ominous is actually more correct than sad because we're dealing with essentially a bad guy's story here. I mean, you know, and, and we're going from light or from dark to light, or maybe we're going to light. I don't know. You know, I don't want to say too much, um, but that's kind of the thing. So I, I'm kind of playing it in my head that, you know, as things possibly get more optimistic in the story or lighter in the story, I'm I'm hoping I can I can make sort of uh, happier sounding ominous music. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I also had to hold myself. You know how many times? Sorry, like I know, like this is how my brain switches every now and then. But you know, the amount of times I had to like pull back. Uh, where I was making this track and I was like, wow, this is a real banger, uh, as in like a dance track. And I was like, it can't be that. I was like, I didn't want it to be that for this. I wanted it to be, I wanted to try and score it as much to footage as possible. And so I also waited, you know, when, when I saw that first piece that you sent, that also helped a lot. I mean, like location, 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 right? And that location definitely fed a lot into the, into the production of this uh, track, you know? So, yeah. So, did guys, you want to respond to that uh, that letter from Ian? Um, I did. I well, actually, not directly to Ian, but actually just to the chat box in or to the the, the comments in general. It's so cool, and, and this is how I know that what we're doing with this series is working, or at least re resonating with with folks. 
aside from the positive comments where people are like, this is so great. Um, the speculation, like people are speculating what's coming next. They, they're like, Oh, uh, it does this mean, does this mean that this is going to come? Or does this mean that you're going to do this? Or I've always wanted to explore this, or it's so great that somebody's going into the history of this character or whatever. And that has been really, really uh, rewarding. Um, seeing that come through. Well, we um, are not hamstrung by a publisher demanding that the story involves snake eyes in order to sell books yeah or films or animated series like we can go deep into the roster and tell these stories so everything is fair game guys anyone is on the table make requests of us <laughs> might take us about 10 years to get around to it but we hear you and we would also encourage people to start making their own films as people have done uh -huh. You know, the, 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 the G.I. Joburg Special Forces outlet existed and continues to exist as an opportunity to publish your videos on our platform. Uh, and it's an eclectic mix, but it's beautiful chaos and I love it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I'm hoping that this will also give those Renegade fans something that they can really jump up and down for and give them something they want to see, but also, you know, have a few twists and turns in there to keep it interesting. But even those uh, that may have overlooked the Renegades as a, as a sub team, I'm really hoping that they come on board too and maybe see them in a different light uh, and maybe make fans of them. Well, I can Very assure good. you, Zazel, uh, we, we're going to move a few Mercers, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this is going to make getting Mercer version 2 so much more difficult for me now. <laughs> so, I was going to bring him up as our new shit section, to be honest. Uh, max props to my man, Robert Kalupatan in the Philippines for hooking me up with uh, the Mercer V2 that was featured in the Renegades. Sweet, sweet figure. But... Needed the oh, yeah. slightest of touch-ups, uh, courtesy of Mr. Phoenix over there, um, for getting me the silver sharpie. His entire <laughs> chainmail right arm is silver sharpied because oh. of uh, a little bit of sun damage on that arm. I mean, it's a very pale white, <laughs> if you can believe it. And so the entire arm has been silvered up. I'm I was honestly surprised when I held it that that was Sharpie. I couldn't believe it. Well, bro, you have opened my eyes to how incredible uh, a Sharpie marker can be in touching up, particularly the metallics, which, which as uh, we all know, are quick to rub off. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, I, I, I feel like you need to dub that thing Sharp Scalibur or something because it is not the first time you've mentioned its awesomeness. <laughs> mm. I, I feel like the some assembly required dudes need to also get ourselves some silver sharpies and silver sharpie something. Just to, or we should get you on there to, you know, enlighten us more. I've I mean, always just loved people this guy's face sculpts, to be honest. Mercer V2, yeah, he's seen some shit, man. Mm. It's terrific. You can read a lot of emotion into that. I mean, you can bemoan the 90s figures all you want, but the head sculpts are superior. There's no denying that. Uh -huh. And you can see it in V2's grimace. Hmm. It's a good face. And it's a head sculpt that I first encountered with the Fun School version, which Rob picked up. And I, I gravitated towards it. I took that head out and used it as often as possible. In fact, I had a custom character who was Eco Warriors Flint, 
in his younger days. And then in flash forwards to like the future, I swapped out the head for uh, Mercer V2, who in the fun school version doesn't have brown hair, but black hair. So it's the perfect older version of that flint head. Gnarly. <laughs> and that flint head actually is also quite, quite, you know, he's got some deep uh, lines around his mouth. He looks like he's seen some, some years too. So terrific head sculpts all around. Yeah, uh, the 90s are cool for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, for episode 190, we can maybe do a bit of a 90s flashback. Not make it all about the 90s, but it would be nice to, to, to do a 90s flashback because that is the transitional period. That is the, the gray uh, for mm -hmm. G.I. Joe. That's when like, it started going from 1980s. <laughs> the, the rift. 90, the rift, as it were. Yes. Shall we reach into the mailbag one more time? Yes, or, yes, please. And I've even got one on Instagram as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right, all right. <clears throat> Dialing the clocks back to our, our Benelux catalog review. Uh, last week, we also saw the release of the third and final part. If you're interested, they are available on your podcatchers, but they really are ably assisted by the images. So I'm going to make a, a stronger push for the, the YouTube versions. But hey. Whatever. Let your ears devour it both ways. Uh, Nathan Webb says, the only good thing about the Armadillo figure is that if you swap his arms with V1 Storm Shadow, you get a cartoon-accurate Storm Shadow. Hey, isn't that great? Yeah, because for whatever reason, Armadillo's got those arm wrappings. Huh. Wow. I'm picturing it now, and it's, it's perfect. I'm actually um, trying to hunt down an Armadillo myself. There's something about that bucket head that... Um, I don't know. It really speaks to me. Kind of looks like the Doom guy from the original yeah? Doom. Yeah. Kind of got a bit of that vibe to him. Oh. Plus, he would make an awesome looking wrestler. Yes, oh, he would. Yeah. He would. He would. Uh, also on the Benelux catalog review, Bjorn says that he loves Ben slash Buzzer, <laughs> which is very apt. The man does have a long blonde ponytail. Uh, and the Chief. Uh, they need to be regulars. I could not agree more, Bjorn. We would love to see more of Ben and the Chief. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Something might come of it or nothing might come of it, but they are both head over heels crazy about play motion. So they might be contributing something. I don't know. Um, the door is always open, but they are... They're very, very hot and heavy for the stuff now. <laughs> well, Mr. Chief been... has been doing a little bit of play motion lately with his uh, figure reviews on mm -hmm. his, his Check out Armageekdom on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the final, uh, final comments I would like to highlight from the Benelux catalog reviews. Magnus Lauglo says, brilliant stuff. This Benelux catalog is absolutely worthy of the hours of attention you've given it. Catalogs played an important role. If you never got a particular toy, seeing it in the catalog might be your only exposure to it. Ah, uh, yes, can totally relate. Can totally relate. Yeah, same. I used to pour over any catalog or insert that came out of the uh, action figure packaging or vehicle boxes and just tick off what I wanted or imagine. You know, it opens up your imagination to anything that's going on, and uh, you know, whether whether you got it or not. It's also rather punishing when you see what incredible toys are on offer and don't encounter them in your own stores. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can only circle a Triple T so many times in a catalog before you start getting disappointed you don't actually have one. 
for for me it was things like the phantom x19 like the big boys like this stuff looked mythical in the catalogs and we never uh, saw it but boy oh boy it was a tantalizing to know that it existed mm. god bless the internet boys it's all at our fingertips now Switching over to Instagram, Shin Kuragami says, I never noticed Mercer V2's uniform is very similar to the Viper V1 uniform. Mm -hmm. It was a discussion we had uh, quite a few lines of text over on our Renegades uh, chat group, didn't we, gents? Yeah. Well, we sat down at the pub and we had started pulling apart torsos and putting heads and torsos together to see what might look good. Um, and yeah, there's something about that torso that just felt like we've got to use it if we're not going to use it now when else are we going to use it and fyi uh pulling apart gi joe's at the bar at my local pub was probably the most weird experience of my life but you know happy to have done it yeah th this is what happens when you hang out with steve you end up flying TIE fighters through shopping malls and stuff. Yeah, that, it, expect more, Zazel. Expect more. <laughs> well, we actually, uh, I can't go too much into the conversation that happened, but we did have one lady come over and start talking to us about her uh, desire to, to uh, well, it had to do with Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. I uh, literally cannot say anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She she definitely had an interest in our in our, our plastic fetish. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what you got for us in the letters bag? I've got a, a, a DM from uh, Mr. Cabal, Mr. Dave Cabal. Um, long time uh, Hello, Dave. supporter. Long-time supporter of G.I. Joe Berg, and he... And uh, lover of Flint. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he posted, uh, in response to at G.I. Joe Berg collecting goals, I just want any of the figures and vehicles that was on the Sunbow or Deke cartoon. I might sell off everything else. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That was interesting to, to hear because, you know, that that's kind of what I was trying to touch it. Like, what is important for you as a collector? You know, is, is like having everything important or is it, you know, having the right things important. And it's, it was interesting that, you know, Dave Cabal is like sitting here going, well, you know what? I might just keep my Sunbow stuff, the stuff that just, you know, connects to the cartoon and, and that's what brings him joy. So that was cool. They do and then, have a special glow about them. They do. The, the they guys do. that got characterization in the tune don't have these question marks ho hovering over them as to how they interact with each other and what well, their character traits are. They already, already have... Know they're fully yeah. formed they they have inner life it's easy to kind of take them into your hands and and imagine their their world whereas yeah the guys that didn't see any any screen time it's tricky man i i, I totally get you dave but if i was to do what you propose it would mean no, no more shockwave yeah. <laughs> no more phantom x19 forget that noise well, yeah, I mean, if you count the Sunbow animated commercials, you might have a little bit of wiggle room. Oh, those few frames. I live for that stuff. I mean, I don't want to... Well, as someone who's got a pretty odd collecting habit of my own, I mean, I'm always on board for anyone else's collection. You know, all power to you. If that brings you happiness, go for it. Yeah. Also, I mean, 
this has just been a general consensus on Facebook uh, with relation to uh, our collecting goals episode. Um, I've seen a lot of like, I've seen some praise here and there just in terms of they're really, uh, some of the guys are just saying they really appreciate it um, because they feel it's important because it is easy to get off track on uh, with stuff like that, you know, and it's easy to always chase the hot, the, the new hotness. That's a general, that's a summation of what I was reading. I don't want to access my phone right now in case it blows up with messages. Oh, um, damn, you know, right, son? It's a, <laughs> it's a popular time to be a, a G.I. Joe creator. Uh, but to, to close the chapter on the letters page, as it were, Here's a whimsical one from Dubuya J on our collecting goals. Paul, you'll be happy to know that he wouldn't mind hearing a Heberg and the Masters of the Podcast if you want to have a chat. I don't know if I have much to say on the topic of He-Man. I don't know either. <laughs> but uh, it's, good. it's good to know that there's a, a hungry audience waiting for it. If you'd like to get a hold of us, guys, check out anywhere we are social. But if you want a long form email and you really want to get our attention, you can mail us at a real South African hero at gmail.com. And we are waiting patiently for our first voice note. So if you'd like to get your voice on an episode, keep it around 30 seconds, but you can include a clip, a voice, voice note, a question, a request, anything you'd like to say, and uh, we will gladly let it play. Just uh, keep, keep, keep the expletives down to a mild roar. I mean, I know we drop new shit all the time, but, you know, you know. All shit's going to get real, but, you know, yeah, let's keep it, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real, <laughs> PT13. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do know that uh, there are a few kids that listen to this, and bless those parents for allowing it because uh, we are uncensored. And I think on iTunes we have an explicit uh, banner just as a kind of a general warning, so... So there's that. Well done. Nice. <laughs> Anyways, gents, uh, closing thoughts on the Renegades, the process, anything that spr springs to mind, any funny stories or anecdotes from the, the, the shoot? I sent you a photo of one that I, um, I sneakily took of you while you were you know, down in the thick of it. Um, but today, I guess one of my uh, crowning achievements was laying back down in the mud, staring straight up at the sun and watching a tomahawk fly over. Oh, that's a cool feeling. Your appetites, gents and ladies. Just, uh, <laughs> the tomahawk is coming. Of course it is, <laughs> because <laughs> wherever Stephen is, there has to be a tomahawk close by. So. I started writing a tomahawk review, uh, something that I have started about a dozen times over the last mm. fifteen years. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to see it through this time. But I realize, guys, like. It's not a critique because I can't be critical of the Tomahawk. It's not a review because I, I can't be objective of the Tomahawk. I guess it's just a love letter because yeah. I can well, do nothing but... Well, you're staring at it today like you were in love with it, mate. Mate, it was on the back seat of my car right beside the baby seat and kind of makes me question like, <laughs> which one do i love more ah. <laughs> well you no, can't have a baby I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jeez, i just got shot the most dirty look by the wife who is heavily heavily pregnant at the moment uh once this little guy comes along step aside tomahawk but at the moment she's the best toy of my life 
I cannot put it uh, in in simpler terms. Um, I've I've made peace with the fact that this is the greatest. Uh, it's it's unsurpassed. You know, yeah, beautiful. Mm, I know. Kim just literally did the the in love emoji with her face right now. <laughs> yes, there you go. So sweet. I know. Um, She's sending me up. Paul, how about you, brother? I uh, a few notes that I want to put in is firstly there is a limited edition the Renegades T-shirt um, that has been released. Um, it's only going to be up for like two weeks. Um, so if you want one, grab them while they're hot. And you know you want one because I really am not going to do it again. Um, and I also uh, and I only want it to be up for two weeks because I want to make space for a second shirt. Um, in that same line. So, you know, I, I, I know I want to make a meal out of it, but I think Renegades is something really cool. And I would love to have a Renegades t-shirt as well. So yeah, guys, uh, get on that if you want. You can find them on our Teespring. So that's G.I. Joburg uh, uh, Teespring. Uh, so, just so are we doing a uh, limited three-part uh, t-shirt series, Paul? That's kind of what I'm thinking of. Uh, not thinking of, that's what I'm moving towards. It's actually going to be more like two t-shirts. So it's going to be okay. the Renegades logo shirt and then the, the next mystery shirt. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, and that one's, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's not going to be, uh, well, it's, an, uh, it's technically an OnlyFans shirt, right? I mean, but without the nudity, because <laughs> OnlyFans <laughs> now means a whole bunch of other things, right? Or fans only mm. or whatever. Um, well, Paul, if I could just quickly say that graphic looks amazing. Oh, thank you, man. As soon as it came up on the screen, I was like, yeah, that's it. Cool. Yes, ladies uh, and gentlemen, he's not just our beatsmith, but our graphic designer too. The Renegades logo is entirely a Paul Lopesher work of art. Thank you very much, sir. It is striking. And now, what about and now you're the leading man. Oh, yeah, and I'm the voice of Mercer. Yeah, Felix. That's right. You've got a commitment now. <laughs> Which I'm totally down with. That, that's actually why I left it to the last, last minute, because I was like, if I do this and it's good, then I'm down for, for like three episodes and if i do this and it's bad i'm done for three episodes <laughs> so, <I'm not laughs> so i might as well yeah. just get it done and see what goes um and then also just while i'm on the you know plug um we have got a, a very cool patreon uh we call it our berg force if you guys want to check it out also search gi Joburg on patreon you can uh join the berg force for as little as three dollars um, but ultimately it's up to you how much you want to donate. Um, and all that does is it helps us keep the show running. Uh, it helps us with a lot of things, it helps us with getting cast members, you know, uh, AKA toys into the play motion. It helps pay for this wonderful recording software we, we use. And it also helps us support our livelihoods. Now that might sound silly to you, but we've got a lot of people who, um, you know, uh, want our time and, it's just great to to be able to tell them that listen honey sweetheart mom dad whatever's uh this is actually this is something that we we do make a little bit of money from you know and it's not just uh it's not just us talking into the computer for nothing and that's we're not just ignoring you for nothing it's actually i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to use the term i don't want to use the term job because i don't like job because that implies some kind of indentured servi uh, servitude but I do like the um, the, uh, the term passion, and uh, it is a passion of ours, and it is great when your passion sort of does reward you and your lifestyle a little bit. So, put simply, Paul, put simply, the Patreon allows us to justify our hobby to our loved ones. 
Mm -hmm. It's like, honey, I'm just slipping out for two hours to shoot some stuff, but I miss you. I'll be right back. And also with some fans and they slip us some dollars for it. So there's that. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly that all. She's now, she's now shaking her fist. That's another emoji entirely. <laughs> yeah, no, all my, all my favorite is, babe, please, can you hold the camera? Please? Like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then, like, oh. five minutes later, are you done yet? Listen, it's going to be worth it. It totally works out. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know? Oh. This this week on, uh, on the Facebook group, uh, you would have been treated to... Uh, Xandar conducting a strafing run of, of Kim. <laughs> she she was none, none too thrilled about that. That uh, whale comment, man. I'm surprised you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Oh, well, look, if, she, if she wasn't heavily pregnant, I, I think I'd be in trouble. But uh, yeah, or dead. One of the two. Zazel, I'm actually I, I wanted to ask you this. I've recently seen, and it was as recently as yesterday, actually, they've done uh, Masters of the Universe of wwf yes i would love it if they did a sergeant slaughter in that line um i'm not sure uh, how they would he-man it up but i do love that it's got um the you're able to pull pieces apart and connect them onto other pieces so they're fully um their connectivity fully, yeah, yeah yeah with the, with the wwe line and the he-man line i think they look awesome and i like the fact uh, that they've taken characters that you might not be familiar with with the uh, WWF line uh, and, and made them look like or at least similar to a He-Man counterpart. So, yeah. you know, you've got the Ram Man, you've got, you know, the He-Man, you've got, uh, I think Undertaker is supposed to look like fake or... I've got to go back and double check. But if you're not even familiar with any of those He-Man characters I've just listed, then, you know, that's not going to be... Uh, it'll be just talking into the wind, basically. But, yeah, I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of intrigued, and I and I'm sure one of them that I saw there was the Warrior, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, yeah, yes. So, that's so they've done cool. two Ultimate Warriors now, uh, and he's kind of the he's kind of the He-Man of the line. Uh-huh. Uh And I like uh, that the the wrestling ring itself is a mix between uh, the WWF ring and Castle Grayskull. Yeah, that's very cool very smart move on their part and i i like what they're doing there and yeah and and that's that's definitely something i want to save for retro re-releases as a as an episode because there's a lot of really smart things that mattel is doing and uh oh, yeah. but i want to that that deserves a whole episode for us to discuss not, not necessarily just mattel but yeah that deserves a whole episode a debate even i think so yeah that'd be cool yeah yeah cool Anyway, that's me, guys. That's I, I've got nothing left to say. I'm just excited uh, to do work on the second episode, actually. Mm -hmm. oh, I know it might be on most people's lips. When is it dropping? I wish I had a definite answer. I mean, if we were a professional outfit, we would probably be able to nail down a, a release schedule. But because this is kind of done in the stolen hours between... Uh, lunch and dinner or taking the family shopping uh, or whatever happens to, to be on the agenda for the day. Uh, it's, it's a case of like chipping away at the iceberg until it's, it's ready to sink the Titanic, basically. <laughs> whatever that means. 
Whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> on the way out, gents, uh, once again, I, I, I'm strangely drawn to this like a moth to the flame. But SEO Toy Review did another great uh, video uh, chronicling the, the best figures of 1990 as voted by you, members of the G.I. Joe Real American Hero 1982 to 1994 Facebook group. And can anyone guess which figure was the top voted figure from the year 1990? Well, Zazel, go ahead. Yeah, you go first. I did see the, the, the picture for it was the Sergeant Slaughter command ring uh, catalog. So that drew me in. So hmm. uh, I'm struggling, though, to remember who was at the number. Without Sergeant Slaughter in it, I, I lost interest. But who, who was it? No, no, no! I, I give me a chance. I want to get. <laughs> of course, I just want to look for. at the roster again, just because. Unfortunately, my memory of the '90s releases is really bad. I mean, if you think my '80s memory is bad for this shit, um, well, I, I would say the best figure to come out of that line are easily between, in my opinion, easily between Undertow, Range Viper, or the Night Creeper. I think it's, it has to be one of those. Paul. The top three, gentlemen, Salvo in the third spot, Bullhorn in the second slot, and you nailed it, Paulie, Night Creeper. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Top honors, the high-tech ninja who comes with no high-tech equipment. I don't know, man. That figures, uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, Never I, have been, I, unfortunately. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I was I a little surprised that Bullhorn was up as high as he was, but that gun that pulls apart, that's that's a drawing point for sure. It's unprecedented. I mean, I think we've obviously seen it done again in the modern era of G.I. Joe, but back in 1990, I think that was the first time anyone had ever seen anything like that. So, yeah, power to him. To have at that scale a collapsible rifle that assembles fits snugly in a case, which then can then be worn on his back. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to one day talking about the 1990 release of figures because, yeah, there's lo- there's a lot to say here actually. Mm-hmm. Like well, hopefully you'll get your chance in episode 190. Yeah. 200 is rolling around the corner, boys. I don't know how best to ring that in. If anyone has any suggestions, you know what to do. A real South African hero at gmail.com. Before we go, Zazel, I know you got something uh, in the pipeline, in the socials that you'd like to plug. What is it, sir? Uh, Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse YouTube channel is basically a museum of all things Sergeant Slaughter. So you're going to see some retro commercials. You're going to see some cartoon spots. Uh, I've sort of dabbled in the reviews, so I've got, uh, I think, four or five of 777 reviews done right now on Sergeant Slaughter. And <laughs> uh, Wow. One last thing to come along, it will be the WWO, which is the World Wrestling O-Ring, which I'm hoping to do every month, so stay tuned for that. And if you're so inclined, come over to the Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse Facebook group and join the conversation there too. Cool. Excellent. You know where to go, guys, if you are mad about the Sarge. And I find it very exciting to know that uh, you are actually going to have some play motion wrestling matches. That sounds like a winning recipe, if you ask me. 
World Wrestling O-Rings. It's going to be... That's it. Stay tuned. But this has been episode 189, The Renegades. My name is Steve. I've been joined by my awesome buddies in the trenches. Paul and... Zazel. And I guess we'll see you next week, guys. Yeah! (laughs) Yo, Joe Berg. You're dismissed.